Looking tonight into the Bible, 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. Probably we've heard this story before. It's amazing, though, when you look into the Word of God and find something that you've seen before, it can build your faith if you look at it from a position of the possibilities that God can do in your life or your friend's life or others. And I, th- I think tonight, if, if possible, it'd be nice if we could focus on the possible. There's a, a, a tendency to hear a lot of bad news sometimes, a lot of uncomfortable news, a lot of things going on here and there. And it's always been that way in one form or another. But if we focus on all that stuff, it's discouraging. It's difficult to deal with. I don't think God programmed us to be all involved in everything else but what's possible with God. What the Word of God teaches us is that with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Now, as soon as you start discounting that and say, yeah, all things are possible except in this particular case, you just, uh, you just flatline right there. There's no, no, no recovery from that point. You recall here in, in this particular chapter, we're not going to go through the whole chapter, but Elijah was a prophet of God and he got discouraged. Have you ever been discouraged and you were not a prophet of God? That's kind of in the normal place where most of us are. We're just regular people. But this Elijah, we know about him. He was a prophet of God. And somehow or another, he, he got derailed and, and was focusing on something that was irrelevant. It wasn't important. And uh, he got he got called on the carpet, so to speak. But he got called on the carpet in a good way for us because we can learn a lesson from Elijah. Because once, once the Lord revealed to him that he was not alone, that there was 7,000 in Israel that had not bowed the knee to Baal, that had to perk him up a little bit. They give a little little revival, personal revival going on in Elijah's life. And Elijah's time wasn't done yet. He had something to do. As responsible as he'd been fulfilling the call of God for however many years he'd been doing the Lord's work, now he had had something more to do. And uh, he comes to this place where he finds Elisha. Obviously, God led him to Elisha. And uh, 
it finds out that Elisha is basically in the farming business. It sounds like he was a big-time farmer. He was uh, handling 12 yoke of oxen, and they're kind of big creatures, and uh, two yoke together times 12 is 24 oxen. I have no idea how you handle 24 oxen and attempt to plow a field, but Elisha knew how to do that. He'd been obviously well-trained. And it's evident from the, the, the massiveness of that responsibility on the farm, probably his family's farm, that he was, uh, was uh, in line to be a wealthy farmer someday. Of course, the problem with being a wealthy farmer means you get to work seven days a week. But other than that, uh, it, it's, it's probably kind of fun to be a wealthy farmer. You see a lot of them in North Dakota. They're out there with their pickup trucks at the local coffee store. And uh, they seem to enjoy that. We used to see them up there. And I think they were. Some of them, they had their wheat fields, but a lot of them were pretty smart too because they knew to take off for the winter and go to Florida. So they worked that out pretty good too. But uh, this was not the kind of situation that Elisha was in. He had the real kind of farming and probably had spent some time studying the subject. You, you, you need to know a little bit about oxen, no doubt, and about probably some other things like different crops. If he was plowing a field, there was an intent to plant something. And there's a responsibility there to know when to plant and when not to plant and, and how, how soon to, to go out to harvest and so forth. Farming is a lot of work, and it takes a lot of smarts to do it right. And evidently, that was Elisha. His whole career was set out before him. Family properties, someday would be his properties. And Elijah shows up. How do you like that? Change of career coming up here. That's the way the Lord works sometimes. You've got all your plans lined up. You've got everything lined up in the future and you've thought this through and you've worked hard in school to to get the kind of education you're going to need for your career and you're going to go out into the world and and and, and do those things that that you've heard that you could do if you had this kind of a career and, and and did this kind of work whatever it is in this day and age it's probably not farming in most cases but it's something probably related to a computer of all things. But anyway, that's what they do nowadays. They, they work on things that are real technical. They sit down a lot. Not a whole lot of exercise involved in computer work, but there's a lot of exercise involved in farming. I don't think you had a farmer in those days who was ever on a diet. Not necessary. You work off every single day anything you'd ever eaten in your life. That was Elisha. It says, it goes on in the 20th verse and, and, and it says, and he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, go back again for what have I done to thee? I often thought that when 
he said that when Elijah told Elisha to just go back, that it was like, well, you know, all right, just forget about it. If you don't want to follow, don't. But I, I have an idea it had more to do with the fact that he's just saying, go ahead, do what you've got to do. Do what you have to do, and then we'll get down to business here about the subject at hand. Uh, whatever the reason was, Elisha eventually caught up with Elijah, and they obviously had a, a little longer conversation that's mentioned here. It says, and he returned back from him, took a yoke of oxen, slew them. So he took one yoke, would be two oxen. They slew the oxen and, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, probably workers from from his employment there that he employed, and they did eat, and, and the family and whoever. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. It's interesting that there could be gain when you make a sacrifice like this, but there's there's a real spiritual application or benefit, if you will, When you make that sacrifice, you are the winner. You gain because you were willing to forsake something that you had all your heart wrapped up in, all of your future wrapped up in, all of the stories you've ever told had something to do with your great ideas. I have an idea. The Lord's really not that interested in our great ideas most of the time. Unless it has something to do with the gospel, then that's okay to have that kind of an ambition that you want to see the the Lord work and and see something good uh, happen in in your friends' lives and and wherever you live, to touch hearts and to see family members saved from their sins. That's really important, actually. Very important. Now, someone told me one time that uh, maybe... Maybe I could go on someday and build bridges, you know. I don't know why bridges, but anyways, they go on and build something, build a bridge, build a bridge across across the river or something. And and that actually sounded easy compared to spreading the gospel. Now the gospel seemed a little more complicated than just doing something that you can do with your hands. In the gospel, there, there's a consecration required that you commit commit your life to the Lord in such a way that God can do something in your life because it's possible with God, but it's not possible the other way. Sure enough, you could build a bridge. You could do all sorts of things. But is that what God wants you to do? Do do we really get to that place? I guess primarily as young people, pretty much is where we kind of cross that area of getting things relative in our life. As as we begin to to realize we need to commit our life, if you know about the gospel, you begin to realize you need to commit your life. You actually really need to focus on the possibilities of God working a real work in your life for the purpose of other people's lives, not just for you. If you do it just for yourself, most time people don't care what you do for yourself. They, they just, just, they just laugh at you. But, but when you do something in the gospel, it, it has real value. It's powerful value. 
I mean, you've got something that you can, someone, I should say, someone you can call upon, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gives you confidence in life, who gives you substance in life, who gives you hope, real hope, real peace with God. But if you focus on the impossible and the things that, that, that just aren't working out for you, that's, that's, that's the discouraging side. It was good to see that Elijah, this great prophet of God, was very human. And when he got to that place and the Lord tapped him on the shoulder at least one more time there, said, listen, you're not the only one, fella. Get up. Get busy here. you got something to do. Sometimes the Lord has to just knock us on the head to get our attention and say, you can do it. No, you can't. You can't do it, but I can do it in you. I will make it possible that you can move forward at my command instead of your own personal command. Well, that's Elijah and Elisha. We like them. Good old timers from the Bible. Over 3,000, almost 3,000 years ago. Kind of strange, isn't it, to think about that? How could something so old be so relevant? The gospel is always relevant. The word of God is always relevant. There's, there's places there where you can, you can just get involved in and find something there that says, this pertains to me today, to my situation, to my life. And I want to follow what the Lord is implying that I should follow. Well, maybe more than implying, he's encouraging me to follow. Jesus, in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, it says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them. You see, they had some controversy at that time, and Jesus was trying to help them through it. Trying to lead them on, you know, that is possible, it's possible that a, a rich man can, can, can make it in the gospel. A poor man can make it in the gospel. It's not as difficult as it seems that, uh, why, well, uh, uh, go through the eye of a needle. We always think in terms of those little tiny needles that you try to thread. You ever try to thread a needle lately? You know, they make, they are so small. Try to get a thread through. You lick the, the, the thread and you kind of get... Do people still do that? They do. Okay, I wasn't sure. I haven't seen it lately. But anyway, that, that's not that easy to do. But, but, the, but in this case, Jesus was dealing with these people that were kind of evidently thinking that it's hard to get to heaven. It's not hard to get to heaven. You just have to surrender to the will of God. Follow the Lord. Surrender to, to his leading. When, when he speaks to your heart, listen. Focus on the possible. Focus on the possible. Stay focused on the possible. Uh, tonight, earlier tonight, or this afternoon, I'm trying to think, focus on the message. Focus on the message, you know. What's going on next door? They're building a house. There's a truck there with a whole bunch of trusses. Ay, ay, ay. Talk about distraction. I thought the kids across the street would be interested. Come to find out, these two young boys didn't even care. I thought, what is wrong with these young kids anyway? They should care about things like that. We always were, weren't we? I think we were. 
Focus on the possible. See, I distracted you there, didn't I? Focus on the possible. Jesus said, with men, this is impossible. That means with you and with me and all of us, with men, it's impossible. So we know that up front. The Bible tells us so. Jesus said so. If we know it up front, that with men, this is impossible, why do we pursue the impossible? Why do we spend so much time and effort seeking the impossible when Jesus already put holes in the idea? But he says, but with God, all things are possible. Really, it's true, isn't it? With God, all things are possible. You can do things when you are with God. When you follow, like Elisha followed Elijah, basically Elisha was following the direction of God. God had an assignment for Elisha, and Elisha stood up to the project and went forward with it. And that's why we know about Elisha. Why we'd like to believe that God can do the same thing in our day and age with regular people like us. Maybe you're not one of those regular people. Maybe you're an extremely incredible person. Very intelligent, very, very smart. That's good. Don't let it trip you up, though, because you got to get back to the simple, simple gospel sometimes to understand when God's talking to your heart. It's better to know God has all the ability, even if we don't. Just better. And we want to uh, base base our, our confidence in the Word of God. Not just something that we thought up or something we think is a good idea, but we want it to be God's good idea. We want it to be God's plan for us. I'm sure you've heard it before, but God does have a plan for your life. He really does. God has a plan for every one of our lives. Some of us that are a few years down the road now think back and say, why didn't we get on board when we were even younger? Why didn't we just listen? Why didn't we just get focused on the, the gospel when we were young and energetic and had all that stuff going in our favor? But uh, we waited a little while. But at least we got on board, right? At least we stepped out there one of these one of those days and said, okay, I hear you, Lord. I'm getting the message. What do you want me to do? Where should I go? What do I do to follow? Just give me directions and I'll do it. You know, these cars nowadays, they have these things in them called, I don't know what they're called, but there's this screen thing and you put in the address of the place you want to go. Oh boy. <laughs> I fight with that thing. It's like, no. I don't want to go left. I want to go right. And it's like, what does that thing know that I don't know? I suppose it did know a few things I didn't know. But you know what? We eventually get on course and they, they, they get you corrected. But the gospel was invented way before that. When the Lord could direct our steps and lead us in the path that we should go, it's great to do it. Tonight, we're going to have time to pray. As the Lord gives us time and opportunity here, we're going to sing a song, 630, and come to the altars of prayer tonight and have a, have a talk with the Lord.